Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 129, episode 3 of Dear Daily Zeitgeist, yeah! a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness and say officially off the top, fuck the Koch brothers, fuck Fox News, and fuck the Trump administration. It's wow. Wednesday, April 16th, 2020. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. We aren't having Coachella this year Under Corona quarantine Remember me, the one who's inside She once was a true love of mine That is courtesy of Ben Kruger uh, To the tune of Scarborough Fair From uh, Simon and Garfunkel and Joe Scarborough, I believe Uh, And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. It's Miles Gray, a.k.a. Quarth Vader, a.k.a. John Luke Picquar, a.k.a. Quarquar Binks, a.k.a. Rick DeCard, a.k.a. Cara Quarbuck Thrace, a.k.a. The Terminate Quar, a.k.a. Quar2D2, a.k.a. King Quarther and the Zeitz of the Pound Table. Thank you to Chrissy Yamaguchi Main and Pig Butter at A Jarad for that AKA string. Uh, and we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by the hilarious, the talented, the athletic Blair Saki. Hey, what's up, Zyking? It's thrilled <laughs> to be back. Thrilled at my parents' house. Just absolutely living over here. I was going to oh, say, yeah? I'm like, you, that background of your... Is that, are the pictures on the walls behind you your various like sports moments from your career? Or is that all family <laughs> yeah. photos? <laughs> yeah, it is. It is? Uh-uh. <laughs> so what do we got oh, on yeah. that? What, what moments we are immortalized on that photo wall behind you? You know, those are some pretty early days. Like the pictures, the hung up pictures in our house stopped at, you know, once the things moved digital. So it's all like, there's like nothing after us being 18, but there's a lot of like pictures of when I used to do dance and soccer and just like mow bitches over. Oh, hell yeah, dude. In dance, you mowed bitches over mostly. (laughs) My brothers all joke because they were forced to go to my recital once a year before I, you know, retired. And they said that, like, I would just be (laughs) trying to do, like, the jazz. And there would be, like, a little hop. And I would just, like, like. (laughs) (laughs) Leap out of the gym. Yeah. Yeah. And I have to imagine if this were a Disney movie, like the volleyball coach would have been at your dance recital. And as your dance coach is like, Jesus Christ, Saki, we can't get her to do the dances with the other kids. A volleyball coach is like, Hey kid, want to come over to the, to the winning side? I think I quit when I was 10. My mom was like, um, I just think you have other gifts. You seem to have some (laughs) other gifts. Maybe a different body type than a ballerina. How are you doing? How is the quarantine treating you? I'll tell you what. Great to be talking to some old friends right now. Things getting pretty weird in my brain over here. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't remember what the outside world was like. I yeah. miss yeah. a lot of things. I feel like I'm going slowly descending from like a captor, like doesn't remember what old life was like. Mm. Oh wow, wow, wow! Yeah, like how you about you guys? On the outside. I mean, I mean, we're it's like anything, you know. You're up, you're down. You're up, you're down. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but for the, I, I'm definitely like starting to deal with the reality better for sure. Like now that we're much deeper into it, the first two weeks were fucking brutal for me. Really? God, I was like yeah. fucking sailing the first two weeks, and now I'm like, oh, I'm on a ship that's never fucking landing. <laughs> Out to sea for too long. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm starting to get to that point where the days are so similar that it's the time is moving a little bit. I don't know if it's that like experientially the time is moving faster or it's at my old job. I would always like park in the same parking garage. And at a certain point, like after a year, I couldn't remember where I parked my car because it just that morning's parking experience faded in with like all the hundreds of other parking experiences. And I feel right. like that's happening with my days now where it's like all the days are so similar that it's just this like 
sea of identical days. And I can't tell if like time is moving faster or if like my memory of time is just less easy to distinguish, but um, still, still pretty miserable. Not going to lie. <laughs> Um, I know sometimes I've cried a few times just like out of frustration like a a toddler and then I'm like and then I get on myself because I'm like oh I have it so much better I'm healthy like my parents are healthy like there's so many people going through so much worse and so then I'm like lock it up Saki you know and then I try to wipe my tears and stop being a pussy lock it up Saki lock it up Um, All right. Well, we're going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, we are going to tell our listeners what we're talking about today, uh, continuing to check in with the state of leadership in our great nation uh, during the uh, crisis, the COVID crisis. We got Ron DeSantis. We got uh, the feds stealing masks and uh, other PPE from the states. Uh, we've got mm-hmm. Trump continuing his uh, it just really morphing those daily check-ins with uh, with his campaign rallies, uh, and it's getting it's getting weird. It's getting uh, very I don't know. So I was listening to a health professional talk about like what this would be like in any other. I think it was somebody who works for uh, the the comp or the uh, organization that is that's basically keeping tabs on on how many people are dying, how many people are testing positive, and they were like, "This is like we thought we were doing this at first just for like a week, and then the federal government was going to take over, uh, and then the federal government like never got its shit together, so we're continuing to like just." be a makeshift like gap filler for this entire fucking thing. Uh, anyways, we're going to, we're going to check in with, uh, just how Trump, how he's doing. Uh, cause he had a, on Monday, he had a, a wild one. Uh, we're going to look at Gretchen Whitmer, uh, who is this conservative news cycles, uh, most hated woman. We're going to look at a take on Tiger King as a metaphor for the 2016 election. We're going to look at some quarantine activities. We're going to look at a dumb fuck who fell on a knife sculpture. We're going to look at Disney's next cartoon to live action remake, uh, which is a movie that I had not fully embraced the uh, significance of prior to this story. But J.M. McNabb uh, has has told me that Robin Hood is apparently more significant. Uh, the Robin Hood Fox cartoon is uh, like where Robin Hood is a fox is more sexually significant to uh, people than I had realized. So we're going to talk about that. The sexual significance of Disney's Robin Hood cartoon from the 70s. Uh, but first, Blair, we like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history that's revealing about who you are? Oh, my last, I I looked at my Google to see what my last search was, and it was Reese Witherspoon DUI. <laughs> yeah. That's one of our great moments as a culture, I feel like. Because it was just like a little <laughs> crack into... Well, I was thinking about it. I was like, she really survived that one so well. I mean, little to no fallout for her. Yeah. Um, Wait, what But did I that found happen? that during core, like, random... Pop culture moments from the past have been like seeping into my brain. I don't know, trying to hold on to something. Let's when see. Did Reese she Witherspoon. Get the DUI? Okay, I thought I no one heard me. I'm out here screaming no, by myself I'm, in the corner. Yeah, DUI happened in 2013. I was gonna guess 2011, but is that the uh, time Blair, she was like talking shit to the officer, or that talking <laughs> wild shit to the right, officer? Right, right. Well, shows you the. Strength of uh, whiteness in America. She went on Good Mar- Good Morning America the next morning, though, and said, I'm an idiot, that whatever. <laughs> and all, and they even forgave her DUI. Yeah. Yeah. The judge was like, wow, I didn't think you'd say that. Let's just throw the whole case out. <laughs> it's not fair. 
she actually managed to turn it on the people who were disappointed by her behavior. She said, I think it was the moment where people realized I wasn't exactly what they thought I was. I guess maybe we all like to define people by the way the media presents them. And I think that I showed I have a complexity that people didn't know about. (laughs) (laughs) Hell yeah. Hell yeah. That's what I say. Anytime I do something horrible. Hell yeah, but like yeah. using that very kind description to d- describe drunk driving as a complexity. <laughs> a complexity. I I like to drive drunk sometimes. I'm a complex figure, man. Uh, no, I'm just no, no, like no. you. You're just reckless and you have no regard for yourself or other people. Actually, You're that's not lucky complex. you didn't kill an innocent person. What the fuck mm, are you talking no. about? That's just one of my quirks, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm quirky. <laughs> oh, give it up for all the quirkies out there. I see you. Thank God Zoe Deschanel wasn't driving around blasted, <laughs> blackout, and being like, I don't know, I'm quirky. What do you do? <laughs> she has right, 60 right. pounds of blow in her car. <laughs> <laughs> She's just like, huh, so what many is, what illegal is automatic weapons. <laughs> Huh, I swallowed how many pellets of heroin, you're saying? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm you dynamic. don't see that in 500 days of summer, do you? Yeah. I that's think that's right. on you. I contain don't multitudes. The media messages. And by I contain multitudes, I contain multitudes of balloons of, of heroin, which I swallowed <laughs> to uh, use later. Uh, Blair, what I'm is. A geek. <laughs> <laughs> that was the best when people were like, I'm just a geek. I'm and just it's geek. just like a like model in like black frame glasses. Uh, uh, yeah. Oh, wasn't that a Portlandia oh. sketch? Or it's like, I'm just a nerd. And then like the real nerds come out and it's like a guy with a beard with steampunk goggles on. And he's like, no, I'm an actual nerd. And yeah. what you saw there is not it's like an amazing little sketch. What is something you think is underrated? All right. Something that's underrated, my dad's farts. I want to give a shout out to my dad's farts, which I have demonized for a lifetime along with the rest of my family. But now that I've been captured in quarantine and I have no way to leave, I have come to love them and even embrace them as my only friends. Uh, I started naming them. It's kind of like the movie The Room. Um, I thought my captor was my enemy, but now I know um, they really care about me. And... um, also, in addition to my dad's farts, I also think Del Taco um, crinkle cut fries are underrated. Wow. Okay. You ever go bold? Any any relation there, just in terms of your dad's farts and Del Taco uh-huh. crinkle cut fries? No, no relation. Absolutely none. No tie connection at all. Yeah. My dad keeps a pretty clean diet, and I just um, crinkle cut fries just kind of popped into my head as like um, a tie to the old world. <laughs> to life, life beyond the walls is uh your dad's farts now like let's unpack this a little bit what exactly are you in awe of um just the how pungent and freaking nasty and what a punch they pack i oh, mean they wow. can take down a whole room and there's a lot of power in that you from your instagram post your dad seems like a sweet guy would not have taken it for him for someone who's doing like just you know like crimes against humanity level farts Really? Because I think the Instagram says otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) He really likes to mess with me a lot. Um, One of his favorite things to do is anytime. (laughs) Like um, we watched 1917 and after his, he said, uh, and that's why men get paid more than women. He just likes to mess with me constantly. Wow. Yeah. What part of 1917 made him say that's why men get paid more than women? Um, I guess that man's harrowing journey of bravery that involved a lot of physical oh, danger. Of and he thought that he would capitalize on that to um, really try and upset me. Just to troll yeah. his, his own Yeah, You should forward him a history of the diplomatic breakdown that led to World War I and be like, hey, here's some other great work by men. Uh, but yeah, I knew you guys would really come through with some actual right hard-hitting <laughs> evidence that I could throw back at him. Wait, and <laughs> also one thing that spoke that uh, kind of leaped out at me. Two questions: Are you the only? Are you his only daughter? Yes. Okay, so he loves to fuck with you because of that, I'm sure. And then, you yeah, said, and the youngest. You also said whenever we watch 1917. So are you <laughs> watching multiple times? <laughs> like, <laughs> 
weaker. What if we were watching 1917 every day? <laughs> You're like, yeah, guys, I gotta get no. this recording in a bit, man. I gotta get to the gotta get to the living room to catch 1917 with my dad. <laughs> to this to the daily screening. No, you start um, acting alongside we, the TV with it. You're like, I know all. We the only watched it once. We're actually in the middle of the Bad Boys trilogy that my dad, that my mom requested. <laughs> In the middle of the Bad Boys trilogy. A multi-night Wait, event. Wait, so you're partway through Bad Boys 2? <laughs> we watched. <laughs> you guys are taking it in chapters? Sunday night was my mom's birthday, and she wanted to start the trilogy so we could work our way up to the new Your family one. fucking So rules, we watched man. the 1995 Bad Boys, and then the next night we watched from 2003. Nice. How does that movie hold up? Really good. I think they're an incredible, unbeatable <laughs> combo, and that's why they keep coming back. Yeah. You can't teach charisma like those two guys have. Like that, no. that just, you can watch Take them at any time. Unreal. <laughs> Unreal. Luke Wilson Gate. We're not going to, we're not going to relitigate Luke Wilson Gate, but Blair, do you have a, a, an opinion on Luke Wilson one way or the other? Or are you like 99% of the country and don't, don't give a shit one way or the other? Oh, well, in this case, I'm in the 1%, baby. Okay. I like the Wilson brothers, and that's something I'm going to stick to. I really am. Hell yeah. yeah. Team Luke, uh, what is something you think is overrated? Overrated? Okay, roasted red peppers. You think you pack a wild punch of unique flavor? Why don't I just put some nasty-ass salamanders on my salami sandwich because your slimy asses make me want to puke. You slippery amphibian acids covered in oil trying to make my stomach do backflips till I'm stuck doing diarrhea in my childhood home. <laughs> I really, I, I fully identify with this. It, it's like they're little like red pepper flavored burp pills. They're just like, here's a, here's a taste that you don't, you're not going to enjoy that we are going to make you continue to like produce into your own mouth. I, d- I don't like them. The cost yeah. is greater than the reward. It's oh, just, yeah. Yeah. It's something it's you're talking about like the ones that are preserved, right? That come in the jar with oil versus like. No, maybe- I'm talking fresh, baby. I don't even like them fresh. I'm not fucking with the fresh roasted. Wow. They're still slimy as hell. Interesting, because whenever like I've had it like you know like at a at, like an Italian sandwich shop, and they'll use like the preserved ones, like the like super oily roasted red peppers in like a sandwich or something. It's like, mm, I don't know, like it's mostly providing a texture more than like a flavor that I need. And, yeah, uh, hmm, you hate to see it. You hate to hear about it. It's just a fact. Especially with such a scathing takedown that you prepared, uh, was I really like? I didn't know how to even come into that conversation with a counterpoint that would not have just got me evaporated and vaporized. I've been spending a lot of time alone. You know what would have been ama- You know what would have been amazing is if you did have a prepared rebuttal. <laughs> you just yeah, and blown I'm like Blair's uh-huh. fucking mind. Well, actually, I, f- I thought you might. What'd you say uh, to me, Miles? <laughs> In defense of the noble roasted red pepper by Miles Gray. Uh, fuck our roasted Mm-mm. red pepper. Uh, finally, what is the myth? Shit. What's something people think is true you know to be false? Okay, I came on here to bust and annihilate the myth that drinking two to five glasses of wine a night is bad, but really I heard that you actually have to do it unless you want to get COVID. Those are the only two options, two to five glasses or COVID. I am not a big drinker in my regular life, and so I'm just glad to know that I can always look back on this time with love and joy as, like, the genesis of a drinking problem. And also that old (laughs) wives' tale about having a beer gut. Honey, you can get it from wine, too, and it's fabulous. (laughs) We're about to move into this Baroque age where round bellies signify opulence and health. I like the idea of, a like, what would you call a wine gut? I think there needs to be something more elegant than like a wine gut. A, a boda? I don't know. I'll look in the mirror and brainstorm. A little grape jelly? <laughs> oh, well, holy shit. I'm working out hard and it's like what kind of going wine backwards. Oh, a mix. You know, I'm at Holly and Rob, so there's a few nicer labels than I would normally be interacting with. But um, last night it was decoy, which is a duck orange cheaper label. Okay. Yeah. I'm getting what I re- I'm going to refer to as candy neck, where I get fat on my neck 
because I'm eating so much candy. <laughs> what kind of oh, candy? Wow, getting can gels. Um, <laughs> eating a lot of a lot of Reese's cups, a lot of a uh, lot of those hanging around the house from Easter. And uh, right. it's also I might have always had candy neck, and I just am now seeing myself in a lot of low angle uh, Zoom meetings. And so I ju- I'm just noticing it more than ever before. But uh, <laughs> one way or another, I'm going to I'm going to blame it on uh, the Reese's company. Yeah, I'm trying sense. to become friends with my Zoom double chin. Like everyone should just let me have a double chin in the Zoom. Yeah, Oh, there's it's- no judgment in the Zoom. We're all you know, we're all just surviving. That's right. Ain't that the truth? You know what I mean? <laughs> Ain't that the truth, brother? All right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back with the news. And we're back. And uh, Ron DeSantis is back and it's time to just take stock of the job he's doing uh, as the man in charge of Florida. Just generally a fucking idiot, I think, is, yeah. is a good way to describe it. Yeah, he's, uh, I mean, like, we talked yesterday about him, you know, many people being the mayor of Jaws, the mayor from Jaws, and Ron DeSantis, again, wanted to keep that beach open during spring break, and there was, like, a frightening map of, like, the distribution of people who had visited Daytona Beach during spring break, and then where they all ended up settling after spring break. Uh, but recently... Um, he's been making more news of what he's considering like essential work. Um, so last week there was like a little, I first heard about this thing about him deeming wrestling as essential, but now we're starting actually a little more reporting on what that means. And he is essentially saying that the WWE, uh, professional wrestling is an essential business and therefore should be open so they can perform <laughs> for people in this time. And they're saying like everyone from the production staff to the athletes, wrestlers, whatever, are considered essential. And he said that basically uh, they will be permitted to operate, quote, because they are critical to Florida's economy. Uh, and the governor then basically was granting this exemption, I think for a couple of reasons. Uh, Vince McMahon, you know, very famously had to pull the plug on the XFL uh, last week where like they had to just eat all of that so money sad. they spent. And they're like, so yeah, it's over. It's done. And no, everyone's fired. Sorry, we don't have any plans to reboot it. This was basically a complete fireball. Um, and so they were hurting for money. So I'm sure being able to have WWE going on will help McMahon, you know, save some money as well and make some. But then also like Linda McMahon, who's his wife, who served for un- like in the president's cabinet um, and also runs like a super PAC. Like they they committed like something like eighteen million dollars of spend in the state of Florida for Trump's reelection. So there's just like it's just the slimiest shit. Uh, and so because of that, the WWE can you know perform or compete, however you look at it, uh, just sort of in audienceless arenas or their one audienceless arena that they have in Orlando. And did anybody watch the, like, didn't they do WrestleMania and it was really strange? Like, I saw a screen cap of it and it was just, like, people wrestling in a black box, basically. I, I mean, I know it happened and I I wasn't sure if the things when people said it was amazing was just be, was comedians I follow who watch wrestling who were, like, saying it was absolute dog shit. But I don't know. I mean, I haven't watched a right. WrestleMania in 15 years, probably. Yeah, I haven't watched a WrestleMania in like three years since I had a wrestling obsessed boyfriend. So I'm thankful to God for pulling me out of that. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what were you? Last one you caught maybe was WrestleMania 14 when Mike Tyson was in that main event? I think 2016. Not proud to admit that, but yeah. Oh, okay. So pretty recent. All right. Wait, is WrestleMania that recent that it's only it's only in the teens right now? No, 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 no. Re- I, I, WrestleMania 14 was in 1998. That was like at the height of what I was watching wrestling and Mike Tyson. Oh, got it, got it, got it, got it. Yeah, it's come on, baby. You know what I mean? So uh, in terms of how the federal government is, is operating, rather than sort of helping uh, overseas states and lead the states, it's more of a, a competition type thing yeah. going on they're more it's treating it like states. it's a uh doorbuster sale where uh everybody's just like 
bursting through the door at the beginning to try and get like amazing savings and the federal yeah. government is just like knocking people down and taking taking their boxes well, of stuff more than what well, a black friday sale would imply that there's some fairness where there's at least like a line where if you camped out earlier than other people you may have access before others or if it's like a true doorbuster you could all line up at the door shoulder to shoulder and then you know harm your fellow human in pursuit of a 40 inch flat screen but yeah. With this situation, the purest form of capitalism. Yeah, when we're talking about PPE and ventilators and other necessary medical equipment, the feds are actually doing one step further because they're basically trying, like, figuring out what states are ordering ahead of time and seizing the shipments before they get to the states. Oh my so, god! Like straight piracy. So there was a story that was uh, in the LA Times recently about how there was like this. Uh, this guy had found, you know, the, like the SEIU or one of these unions had found 39 million masks uh, for like protective masks for frontline healthcare workers. And it ended up being a total scam. And like the FBI like figured out it was a scam. And when they were asking the FBI, like, oh, how did you know about this? They're like, oh, we were actually looking, you know, at the possibility of seizing those masks for, for FEMA. So the only hmm. reason they caught on is because they were looking to just, you know, step in and seize these things so it's been a like you know it's happened in many states like uh, people from colorado massachusetts new jersey kentucky texas florida are all saying like very similar things where they're kind of keeping an eye trying to seize them there's been talks of some uh governors like having their police like greet the shipments in so the feds it's getting fucking it's just getting oh my very god this weird. is like hunger games <laughs> is that what happened to hunger games yeah, they have to get the supplies and or die. This is that's freaking crazy. Well, what I mean, a horrible it, it, story. And this was like the whole thing too, where Trump was saying like, you know, get your own shit. You know, we got we got our things, but you need to get your own. But then on top of that, it's just like, well, then I'm also going to steal what you needed to get to keep your people safe, and then play favorites with how I'm distributing PPE and equipment and things like that. Uh, on the one hand, like. In theory, if you had a federal government that was doing a good job, like it, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to have somebody overseeing the whole thing and being like, okay, West Virginia needs more masks than California, so we're going to grab like 10% of the masks being sent to California, move them over to West Virginia, like coordinating the whole thing. We just don't have any indication that the Trump administration or you know the just the overall task force that's been uh, handling this shit is doing well, anything. I mean, Jack, other than completely fucking Jack, everything up. They were absolutely just caught off guard. They were blindsided by this pandemic, you know, and right. they Nobody had no warning. Obama left Trump with empty cupboards, as he said. <laughs> I looked in there; said? the cupboards were empty. They were empty, yeah. like. Uh -huh. Get the fuck out. And, and like, again, just trying to find excuses. It's to the point now where like California, Oregon and Washington have created their own mini subset of the United States. Or we're like, we can't rely on this fucking guy. So between the three of our states, let's figure out how the fuck we can get our economies going again and figure out how we can help each other. The same is happening with like New York, New, Jer New Jersey, Connecticut, Rhode Island. Like these states are like breaking off into their own little mini unions to be like, we can't rely on our own federal government. So now we're going to have to like form our own collective uh, support system. Yeah. So in addition to talking to the states as if they're other, you know, entities who he is competing with, like that you can just see it in his language during the briefings. Uh, he's turning his daily briefings into basically campaign rallies, and he made the the biggest move towards that uh, on Monday by airing what is essentially a campaign video slash propaganda film uh, that was all just making it seem as though he was on this shit from day one. He aired yeah. a video like a substitute teacher. Yeah, he's like during yeah, the fucking drive. pandemic. Yeah. And he was literally, he was literally, uh, like smugly, like pointing his thumb toward the video, like during the video, like, mm hmm, mm hmm, see, like he was actually doing that. But, uh, it was, it was to the point where like MSNBC and CNN pulled the plug in the middle of like, nah, get this shit off. They were the like, that's, yeah. yeah. It was funded by taxpayer dollars because it was put together by the White House, uh, staff. And, 
it was just hell. a bunch of highly curated clips of him saying things uh, that made it sound like he was the only one taking this seriously, finding like a couple experts who had been on CBS or CNN and saying that it wasn't as big a deal as people were making it. Um, included a clip of Hannity seeming to take it seriously, even though we had a clip of Hannity much later being like, maybe it is a, a hoax to uh, get back at the Trump administration. Uh, we had him saying that in like March. Um, he's, but he's so all over the map that you can find a clip of him saying the right thing. Uh, it's just that for every one of the clips of him saying the right things, there are 20 where he's calling it a hoax or fucking up the messaging. Uh, and it just skips over the small detail that, you know, someone who is saying multiple different things and moving the country in multiple different directions, uh, some of them incredibly damaging and misleading, is failing at the job of leadership. You, That's like the opposite of leadership. That's uh, confusing yeah. and uh, dividing and divisive. And Yeah, he's like the anti-soothing. Like, seeing him on the yeah. TV, you're like, oh, I'm in worse shit than I thought I was every day. Yeah. Yeah, he's like the lemon and salt mixture to rub into your wounds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Apparently, this came about because he uh, was so pissed about the very thoroughly reported stories from the New York Times that came out and other places that came out showing he had done a terrible job and that there were these six weeks in between when he uh, did the travel ban on China and when he actually started doing things uh, to prevent... Uh, the spread of COVID-19 and like they, he, you know, there, there were health officials that the official like health task force was like, we need to start practicing social distancing. And he took six more weeks to take that uh, under advisement. Um, Oh my God. And yeah, it was just it. And that is there's evidence of that in the campaign video. Like that's reflected in his highlight reel. So, you know, after he showed it, reporters were like, uh, well, okay, that doesn't discount like literally any of the things that the articles talked about. Um, and he just flipped out and was like, we got lots of evidence. Uh, you're a disgrace. He called one of the women a disgrace. It's par for the course. And I think even now, there since that, you know, they tried to blame the World Health Organization that wasn't catching on too much. Now they're doing uh the whole idea of the models. The models were wrong. Like Laura Ingram was right. like, You should be upset. The models were so off that we went into this panic and are hurting our economy because the models were wrong. It's like, no, the models weren't wrong. The models are there to show you what the potential danger is. If we do not act in, you know, in an appropriate way. So rather than saying like the models are wrong, it's like, no, we're actually doing a good job of minimizing how much of a catastrophe, the degree of catastrophe this is going to be. Right. I mean, but we may open the the economy on May 1st now because that's the new date. I think Trump was saying at his rally or briefing rather on Monday, you know, like he. Yeah, that seems to be the new target. Do you think that's true? I think There's it's true no that way. he wants that. I think it's true that no, he no, wants that. No, no, but do you think what do you, what is the likelihood of that happening, do you think? Not one of his experts like Fauci or Burks were was even close to committing to that date because they are now they've they're starting to master the art of when the press asks them a question that could, you know, render an answer that's diametrically opposed to what the president says that they're able to just, you know, Fauci didn't really say Oh yeah, that's gonna happen. But he didn't also he didn't also say like, oh yeah, we're we're good with that data. It was mostly like, you know, it's possible. Um, but you know, it would be very incremental if it happened. Then it would be very incremental. Not what saying a, like, yeah, what like a nightmare job to try to like, oh yeah, explain oh, yeah. truth to the public while weaving in and out of his. Are you guys watching those briefings every day? No, no, I can't I, do it. I caught the. I caught. I'll catch a few of them. Like, cause sometimes. Other me people too. Start I've like stumbled. Me and they're like, they're like, they're like, oh, oh, he's go, he's on one today. And I'm like, all right, let me see for a few minutes. And then I'm like, don't broadcast this bullshit. It's just like so fucking toxic and harmful. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts my heart. 
to watch yeah. it. So I just I've chosen not to because it's just disinformation and self-serving shit. Yeah. And it's harmful to a lot of vulnerable people. Right. The May 1st date, uh, speaking of harmful to vulnerable people, uh, has now started this feud between Trump and the states that uh, people, you know, the the front page of Drudge for 24 hours was like a drawing from the Civil War and was like, this is the new Civil War because it's the federal government versus states' rights. And uh, first of all, that's not what the Civil War was. But second of all, it's, I don't know, it's like putting Trump on the side of the union, which is not, not <laughs> no. I think, uh, an accurate position. But in terms of, like, it just seems like the states are, there are states, like, I think Los Angeles has pushed back its social distancing, like, well into May, hasn't it? Yeah, we're yeah. at at least so, like, May 15th, which I feel will be extended. And school, and Trump, and I, school's, I think, pretty much done, right? Yes, yeah, like, mm-hmm, don't don't expect to go to a school this year, or at least in this <laughs> and, school year. And Trump has responded to that by and other states uh, putting dates like that into effect by saying, "I'm the decider. I'm the one who makes the choice." And I, he literally said, the federal government has absolute power to do that. Uh, mm-hmm. He used the phrase "absolute power." Uh, total, no, total authority. I think was the other one too. He's like, when you're the president, you have total authority. He's using everything. He's using every word basically to say, like, I'm going to, I want to cosplay as an authoritarian dictator. Yeah. There's a word, war of words with him and Cuomo, where Cuomo's like, we don't have a king because we don't. That's Um, what the revolution, well, whatever. Fuck history. It doesn't matter. It's irrelevant because we don't learn from it. But I think even when looking at just the, how even people in the right, on the right, are taking that comment, like, when Ben Shapiro will quote tweet Trump and he's like, mm, nah, this ain't it, bro. Like, that's when you know, like, what the, f- like, it, there's, it's funny to see sometimes when some, like, right wing pundits have their limits or, like, they're so horny for the Constitution where, like, they had to get to that point where it's like, uh, I use the Constitution to argue all these other things. And now he's threatening it from another place. Mm, no, I'm going to have to, I'm actually the president on this one. Right. Yeah. But- that's, there's maybe some trouble in paradise. We'll see. Um, yeah, paradise. <laughs> a little bit of trouble. Uh, I'm suddenly hearing a lot uh, from the right about Gretchen Whitmer. What, what's what's going on with uh, the governor of Michigan? I mean, look, there's a there's a recipe to uh, you know being in the firing line of conservative media and punditry, and it's typically you're a liberal, progressive, or you're a Democrat, whatever. You're on the left, some at some point. You're on the you're not you're not red, uh, and you have an opinion that goes against Trump. Uh, you get double the hate if you're a woman, and triple the hate if oh, you're yeah. a woman of color, or uh, you know, you're not cis het woman or whatever. You know, so those are the modifiers at stake with how the conservative uh, punditry machine works. Gretchen Whitmer is a Democrat woman who's going against trump so now she has be she's cemented her place on being the lightning fraud for a lot of bullshit uh from twitter and beyond uh as michigan's governor she's really tried to do what she can because her state's really hard hit by the virus uh and enacting really tough you know shelter at home orders and things like that and the pattern is kind of the same we've seen it from state to state governor issues a shelter in place order Business-minded conservatives begin to piss and moan and act like money is actually sweeter than their own fucking lives. And then, right. then they're not then, the ones who have to go to work. Exactly. Then the fighting begins. And so one of the first ones was this conservative columnist, this guy, Andrew Malcolm, tweeted an image of like Whitmer where she was signing a bill. And the text was saying that it's like, oh, she just signed this executive order where it's going to give people $1,000 fines for, for not being six feet apart. But it was utter bullshit. Like it was an old photo and Ted Cruz even retweeted it. And he like counted the people in the photos like, I see $11,000 in fines there. And Whitmer was like so calmly like, oh, thank you so much. Like, I know you're probably not trying to spread misinformation because this is a photo from January 2019. And, you know, as a senator, I know like she was just very like polite and completely destroyed Ted Cruz to the point where we had to delete the tweet and act like nothing oh, happened. Ted. Yeah. Megan McCain is, you know, had another image like that she posted of 
another image that another like right wing person had posted basically saying that like Gretchen Whitmer was keeping people from buying car seats during the shelter in place warning. And then even on Gateway Pundit, they're, you know, very into conspiracies. They accused her of banning the sale of American flags. Like, mm-hmm. it's just like mm-hmm. she's just becoming she's become this lightning rod for all this shit where she's like, oh, she's talking shit about the president and trying to do. Right. So it's uh, an all too familiar theme we see. Yeah, especially because the president's getting owned by Cuomo and they've got to like keep him like because Cuomo doesn't immediately trigger their uh, act, uh, a woman trying to be powerful response. They, they need to transfer all the, all the attention onto her so that people just have a, a, a visceral response. But yeah, that's unbelievable that they are at the point of saying that she's banning the sale of car seats and American flags. Yeah, that's all you can do to try and like fucking smear somebody who's like, you know, trying to do what they can to keep their citizens safe. And it's even, did you, yo, on a side note, did you see that interview with Chris Cuomo where he was like, I'm done with this punditry shit? No. Dude, he gave this interview where he was essentially saying, like, I'm like, I don't like what I do. He's like, being hit with coronavirus has like made me really like take stock of like what I'm doing. And hmm. I, I don't, I don't like, I just don't like this. Like it's too partisan. Ultimately it boiled down to him saying like, he doesn't like that when people talk shit to him, he can't talk shit back. Because that makes sense. That's shit. like, that's gotta be a brutal position. Cause he can't right. say right. the truth about anything. Right. Like right. he's imprisoned by his own yeah. job that he chooses. <laughs> yeah. A lot of the things he was pointing to was even during this lockdown, like someone had some shit to say to him because of his brother. And he he's like, I wanted to kick the guy's ass. And we've seen that yeah. Chris Cuomo energy when that dude called him Fredo last year or two years ago or right, seven years right. ago. Uh, yeah. He's, he's got a bit of a temper. Mm-hmm. If someone says something mean to me, like I can really keep it straight. But if someone said something mean about my brother, I'd want to kill him. Hmm. Wait, Blair yeah. Saki, as a proud Italian-American, do you think Fredo is a racial slur? I don't actually know. I think so. <laughs> I don't. It's really weird, you know, because I pass as a very extremely blonde woman. So right. no one knows I'm Italian. So I don't know if I always get to be included in everything. Oh, wow. Mm. Okay. Yeah. 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 Unfor- yeah. Well, I don't know how much you use the the lore of the Godfather films to, you know, sort of set your boundaries, but <laughs> it's kind of what yeah drives me. Yeah, so. that's, the, that's what the Cuomos do. <laughs> that's what I get fully from Blair. <laughs> if there's one um, thing, yeah, she studies. She studies the Godfather. She's a student of Mario Puzo's. I know how to live my life. <laughs> it's a family thing. Um, <laughs> all right, let's uh, let's take another quick break, and we'll be right back. And we're back, and time to talk about uh, some less important stuff. Uh, there was a tweet that who shared it with me, Chad Freeman, one of the Zeitgang listeners shared this interpretation of the Tiger King I wanted to get you guys' opinion on. The Bill Brasky tweeted, this series did really well in America because it's basically a tigered-up version of Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump. On one hand, you have the somewhat unlikable lady who is more qualified, means well, but has a past she regrets parts of and has since reformed. This is coupled with an entire population of wackos making up conspiracy theories about her and spinning them into implausible tall tales of murder. Somehow the bar for bad or suspicious behavior is lower for her compared to him. And the other person is a wildly unqualified, though somewhat charismatic to certain people, cult of personality meme subject with a history of sexual predation, violence, racism, and idiocy. He's in it for the money, and that's about it. He's got country music in his corner, in a habit of stiffing workers... Oh, in habit of stiffing workers and not paying them a fair wage. 
Uh, Facebook loves him while Reddit comment sections eviscerate him. He deserves to be in jail. I think that's a pretty good read. I just disagree with, first of all, the idea that Hillary Clinton is totally like anybody who has theories that she's bad is a wacko. And same with Carol Baskin. I just think it's a little bit uh, forgiving of Carol Baskin and Hillary Clinton. But otherwise, I think it's pretty accurate. I if, think if, if you I just assume you... that there's no good guy in either the 2016 election or Tiger King, uh, there's just a less bad, bad guy. Uh, right. I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, I think the comparisons of Joe Exotic to Trump are spot on. Carol Baskin, I think, yeah, if you zoom out, there are some of those parallels. But yeah, that's these are the thoughts. I think I, I've I would never have this level of analysis like with anything I'm watching right now. Like I've co- I've completely lost my analytical mind for certain things, aside from like my reaction to it. So <laughs> I nice actually think everyone was really good in Tiger King. Um, it is you funny. Say, I said I actually think a lot of good guys in Tiger King. Um, <laughs> a lot of good guys, yeah. Yeah, no, but it is funny that series. Like when you first watching it, because like I had seen all this stuff on the internet, and then they're like, "It's about." I don't want to watch it because it's about tiger abuse. And then I watch it, and there was literally barely anything about the tigers in the entire thing. And also, they don't even like tell you. Like it's funny because in the beginning, in the first couple episodes. They don't even tell you, like, who's bad. Like, they didn't even do the Carol Baskin reveal till like, halfway through. Like, she's, I, she seemed like the saint in the beginning. And then you're like, okay, everyone is a full-on murderer. <laughs> Something, everyone's got darkness. That's the thing. It's like, we're just looking at, a like, a 20-sided die from Dungeons & Dragons or something. <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's all kind of the same thing. It just depends on what angle you're catching it at, like, you know, you either have a guy who's like has a like his polygamous like sex cult in Doc Andle, <laughs> or like everyone's got their same cult of personality powers. They're just flexing in different ways, and it's uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I I come away watching that and being like, yo, this whole fucking this whole world is completely fucked up. Scary, scary, scary. I was like, I didn't even know there were freaking t- Tiger Lord cults. I know. Yeah. Until quarantine. The lore of the tiger is no fucking joke, apparently. And I I did not know that. I actually want to fuck around and find out. You know, yeah, and see I what do too, the, kind of. What the power is, because, you know, if it, it's, it's amazing what these people are getting, like what they're getting out of people by simply having like a tiger cub nearby. It's like, yeah, dude, I can, some people are like, I can travel the world and never pay for shit. Other people are like, I have an army of volunteer, quote unquote, employees. Uh, or other people are like, I, you know, I turn these straight dudes out with some meth and tiger cubs. Like, yeah, there's... and they're like, they make 50 <laughs> cents an hour, they make 50 cents a day. And all they have to do is have sex with me. The power of, I've never seen a tiger cub. Uh, and maybe I, it's like one of those things where it's like drugs are like, you know, honestly, the first time you try it. It could be bad news, depending on how you're wired. Right. You might like it too much, at which point you're just like in a cult for the rest of your life. A lot of tiger addicts out there. Who knew? Is there an animal any of you have been really fascinated with, like in your life that you think maybe subconsciously, like interacting very closely with it could not necessarily like you'd go down this path, but would have some kind of effect on you? No. Um, Hmm. Great white sharks I was pretty obsessed with for a while, and I would be... (laughs) Uh, I don't. I don't think there's a way for me to like interact with them where I would be like, ah, we like. I was. You're like. I have you're a healthy in fear a cage. of them. Just yeah. Like, would you ever some, do that? Yeah. Swim with the sharks thing, Jack? Yeah, yeah. I would totally do that. You like, would I feed them or something. That would be. Dude, tight. you're Dude. wild. What on earth? DJ Dan will hook you up. There's a VR game that's like a fucking shark descending thing. I, I know it's on PlayStation. I, you might think twice about that shit. 
And then when we're at the depth and the shark is coming in, that's when the ayahuasca hits. And then (laughs) Then it seamlessly turns the ayahuasca app for sure. Jack, you are sick, nasty. We learned from the Michael Swaim episode where they recreate in VR ayahuasca trips. I just like how you're saying like, yeah, great whites. And in my mind, my immediate thought is you and some Joe Exotic character holding a baby great white shark. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's what happened to Jack. He got near them baby great whites. Baby great whites, man. It's going to love on these little baby sharks. Yeah, the other thing about that theory is that it says that, like, she's completely reformed, but I don't feel like Carol, like, what Carol does with the tigers doesn't seem all that much better to me. What, like, what, what is she doing that's so much better? I did not her? see the distinguishing things that she was talking about at all. It looked exactly the same to me. I think they yeah. probably do have a better level of care because the fact that there are so many volunteers that like actually care about the, like versus like at Joe's park, it was like fucking throwing food off the Walmart meat wagon at them. And like, just like not really, I mean, I'm sure they did care for the animals, but I think just by having that, the volume of staff maybe helps if I'm trying to be like as objective about it as possible. But at the same time, the, the fact remains, it's like they're confined and they're not in their natural habitat. And you can you can use the context of calling it like a refuge or whatever. But I'm sure there are other people who are like, mm, that's I would say well, people central... were still paying to see them. Right. So in theory, it was the exact same thing. And she kept saying about how they're in captivity. And obviously, Joe Exotic is a piece of shit. I would be scared to see anything he did behind closed doors. But like, I don't know, it did not seem that much different for like, her whole spiel of like how she brands herself. Yeah. I would say the central lie of the series uh, in like the documentary filmmakers, like major bias was to remove the fact that Joe exotic is like a fucking monster because (laughs) like what, whether it's like the stuff about him, all the details that were revealed from the person who spent a bunch of time doing a podcast and like researching Joe exotic, it was like that Joe Exotic burns down people's houses like for a hobby. Like if anybody like just criticizes him, they'll burn down your fucking house that he didn't actually sing those songs, which was like a humanizing aspect of it was like people being like, damn, Joe Exotic's actually a good musician. It's like, no, he's just a weird like carnival barker who yeah paid people to sing good music that he could lip sync to yeah well um, they did try, like because they wanted to make him like the central figure when like if this was i think a little bit more truthful you'd be like what the fuck are all these disgusting people doing like what the yeah, fuck is yeah. this like who the fuck yeah. are these people totally it's going to be interesting. I wonder, like, as the weeks progress, you know, because Tiger King was like the first quar, like first phase of quar upset media obsession, like, and now we're moving into getting more outsider takes on Carol Baskin and Joe Exotic. Like, what the evil? Like, where we're going to end up in a month where we're like demanding he stays in prison, uh, trying to like have all these amateur sleuths find the murder of Carol Baskin's first husband. I'm just curious how the, the, what the evolution is going to be of the Tiger King fandom. It's so crazy to think about that series. Like it felt, it felt like characters and the whole world and everything felt like a season of true detective, like just the level of darkness. And it also felt like there were truly no law enforcement in the Everything was freaking on camera. Everything. They were like bombed the studio. There's like, he's, he's literally saying I'm going to go kill her with a gun in his hand. I mean, there's all sorts of shit, just literally hours and hours of footage of crime. And it just seems like there was no police there, a completely lawless land. Yeah. I mean, is it illegal to shoot someone in effigy on your public access show? And then say, this is coming for you. I'm coming for you. One day she's going to watch. Like, just nonstop threats of, like, murder. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, well, the thing you got to understand about Joe and then the Chiron's, like, police chief, (laughs) local police chief. Yeah, and he's like, and what? We're just railing meth over here. That's all we're doing. Well, Joe was also a cop, though, back in the day. So he's got, you know, he's got some friends. I think that's an underrated uh, aspect of why the show resonated so much is 
how much it reveals just how hapless and completely incompetent and asleep at the wheel uh, authority figures are. <laughs> like that it was just this lawless, totally corrupt land uh, at a time when we're seeing that happen in America. I was also noticing that with uh, what, one of my quarantine activities over the past uh, 24 hours was watching Die Hard. And it really underlined the the thing we were talking about uh, on yesterday's episode with the mayor from Jaws and just how like this character who used to seem, at least to me, used to seem almost comically like uh, unrealistically uh, corrupt and stupid is now like very believable. Uh, that's also <laughs> like Die Hard has some of the dumbest police chiefs. Uh, in the history of of movie dumb, like there's a point where uh, Reginald Val Johnson, Carl Winslow is like trying to convince them that John McCain, that Bruce Willis's character is like a good guy who threw killed one of the terrorists, and he's like, "Well, how do you explain the terrorists that like fell out of the building with a bunch of bullet holes in him?" And the police chief is like, "I don't know. He's probably some stockbroker who got depressed, and is just like the dumbest." <laughs> The dumb is not only like the line, the the character is dumb, but like the person who wrote that line for the yeah. dumb character has to be dumb to believe that a dumb person would even say that. Uh, but now it's fully believable. I feel like you could do a podcast of just like throwaway lines from law enforcement characters in film where like you completely ignored a full on murder. Right? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's probably some fucking like, wait, no, 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 no hold on. No, don't. Leave that alone real quick. What the fuck are you talking about? Some Wall Street guy. <laughs> yeah. I'll take some to- clips from Bad Boys for you guys. Yeah, please. Oh, my God. Bad Boys. Classic. Yeah. Classic dumb cop shit. Well, speaking of movies, uh, there we just found out uh, in the past few days about a Disney movie that's in the works. They just kind of uh, closed the deal on it uh, right before we all went into quarantine and that is a reboot or a remake of the 70s Fox Robin Hood cartoon that is going to be a like CGI live action blend, sort of like the Lion King remake, I'm imagining. But with the Fox from the original Robin Hood was like in a human form, uh, just with a fox head. Oh, and wait, did he have like hairless arms? No, he had like fox no, no, arms. No. Foxy he had arms. fox. He had foxy arms. It was like fox skin over <laughs> human foxy form. arms. <laughs> yeah, he had foxy. Wait, did arms. he have? Do you have uh, opposable thumbs? Yes. Or paws. I, he Damn. must have to to shoot the bow and arrow. That's a, that's oh, a good yeah. question though. Like, what did his hands look like? I actually don't know off the top of my head. Um, I'm looking but, at a cover. Yeah, motherfucker had. Yeah, he had thumbs. The. So this is something I hadn't realized though is that the that Disney Robin Hood from the 70s was very um like sexually significant to uh, a whole generation of people and that uh some people credit it with the creation of the furry movement because what? it's one of the f- yeah it's one of it's kind of the first or the most significant example of that sort of thing where it's like a human body with a animal head in American pop culture and well, that's also a Robin Hood thing. was right right for because, me I mean, that's there's... that's Lola Bunny erasure completely to even say that but well Lola Bunny came after this after right many years I know I have to acknowledge many that, but, you know right I, right it would be re- I would be remiss to not mention that um but to to put it in uh, the most blunt terms possible, somebody, uh, I guess it was the Mary Sue, wrote, will we still be horny for Robin Hood in Disney's upcoming remake? And I guess that's a lot. A lot of kids had crushes on Robin Hood growing up, uh, Robin Hood the Fox. And like when you look at a comparison of the Robin Hood Fox and a lot of their early and most significant fairy characters that people dress up as there's a lot of similarities there. And apparently this is something that Disney embraces. There is like around Zootopia, they, a marketing executive reached out to the furry meetup group for life and was like, Hey guys, we love like the pictures that you guys have created uh, of yourself in in your furry 
uh, personalities and in your furry costumes, like you should check out Zootopia. It's a town where you would all be accepted. All this time, I thought this was this Robin Hood thing being like, you know, having a resurgence was going to be around like people really waking up and the need for wealth redistribution from the rich to the poor. But I didn't realize it was just horny cartoon shit. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, Disney's like capitalizing on the upcoming class war. But then this <laughs> so, this descended into furry talk. Uh, did Blair, you said you've been horny for other cartoon characters? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's let's mine that Ooh. vein. Oh, Jessica Rabbit. Um, okay. okay. That doesn't count, though. Me you know too. what I mean? Jessica yeah. Rabbit's practically a human being. Yeah, um, same. I don't know. Like, I think Jessica Rabbit was like the original porn star. You're like, oh, these are these <laughs> ideals that can't uh, be attained, and she's nasty and she's wild, and she'll look you in the fucking eye. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just you grow up eye. being like, ah, you looking at Jessica Rabbit, like I'll never have that hip to waist ratio. <laughs> yeah, I'll never have that, and I want it. And um, it was just uh, just the unattainable, you know. And that long cigarette holder was dope. What's another character? I've, Jessica Rabbit seems like low hanging fruit. I feel like everybody has looked at jo- Jessica Rabbit and like, wow. But oh, um, you Wolf know, I Bronsky liked from all- Exo Squad. <laughs> I don't. I liked all the princes, obviously, in all the movies. Oh, okay. I so was you like the fu- human forms. Yeah, I was fully entranced by what Disney was trying to sell me that I needed to find a very um, handsome, rich husband, or else I was disgusting. <laughs> or I have no value. Yeah, yeah. What about you guys? Miles has gone into depth about Lola Bunny. I love Lola a, Bunny. Uh, That's a good choice, like Daisy Duck. Yeah, uh, maybe Shampoo from Ranma. That's an anime. I've never seen anime. I hear it's very popular. I liked Aladdin a lot. Um, I thought he was Oh, yeah, Princess Jasmine was... mm. Oh, yeah, she was Big Town (laughs) USA Mm. for sure. Big Mm. time. Mm. She was. (laughs) Yummy, yummy. (laughs) (laughs) Yum, yum. She was yum, yum. (laughs) Look at us. Look at us, huh? Wow, Looking at our gross. cartoon, our cartoon <laughs> thirst traps. Has um, someone made a yeah. cartoon thirst trap bracket, March Madness bracket? That would actually be worth uh, worth checking checking out. Sight gang, help me out here. Y'all know the animation Make world it happen. better than me. Someone, if yeah. someone comes up with a lit one that is equal parts anime, Disney, and other international things, let's let's go there. I'll I'll I want to see that bracket. I have a serious question. Um, is anime like actual plot stories or just porn? It is actual plot stories. You okay? <laughs> so you just you're like it's a, like adult like cartoon. Every fucking white person I would deal with in junior high, like, yo, dude, is this all tentacles and shit? Like, it's all like nasty <laughs> shit. I'm like, bro, motherfucker, you are you watch Pokemon? And yeah. Like, oh, oh like, Pokemon what? is anime. Yes, it's just okay. it's just animation basically, right? But because oh. that's in Japanese, it's we like to shorten style. words, right? 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 All right. Yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you. It's just, it's I need just to be educated, and that somebody animation. has to ask these questions. Yeah, yeah. Anime was very influential on uh, Donald Duck cartoons as well. Um, oh yeah, and fucking Lion King is a straight up ripoff of a Japanese uh, cartoon. Yeah. Damn. Where the main character was called Kimba. Oh, whoa. <laughs> That's I love the great lengths they went to change it and make yeah. it their own. Hey, I mean, really they, they knew there was something good with that. Yeah, it was because the, the original was called Kimba the White Lion. And it was from, wow. the fucking, mm-hmm. I think, the 50s or some shit. Damn. Well, Blair, it has been a pleasure having you as always. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? God, it has been a, the pleasure is all mine. I it's so great to be re- reunited, and I just thank you so much. Um, you can find me at Blair Saki, B L A I R S O C C I, on Twitter and Instagram. And is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? I feel like I always uh, talk about Dana Donnelly's um, tweets. She's a friend of mine, but she recently had one. And, um, you know, it in no way correlates to me. But she tweeted, 
When a guy goes out of his way to tell you you have an annoying voice, that means he wants to fuck you, but also wishes you were dead. Anyway, men are crazy. <laughs> I have no idea why that one resonated so much. <laughs> uh, Miles, where can people find you, follow you? Uh, Twitter, Instagram, PlayStation Network, Miles of Grey. Also, my other podcast, 420 Day Fiance. New episode out today with Sophia Alexandra. So check out that if you want to continue to hear my annoying as fuck voice. Uh, I like a few. There are a lot. The tweets, man. Uh, there's there's some good ones. I've been keeping my eye on this, on this timeline. The first one, I'll just show you guys. Oh, shit. As I knock all this shit down. Uh, is a picture tweet. This is the image. Okay, it looks like a barber giving a razor shave to a young black man in a like a just as he's in the chair, uh, getting his mm -hmm. getting his like lines, uh, he's getting his edges right. But the barber has like the stigmata as if he had been crucified. <laughs> and what the, the fuck? At Sir Kesla Fair, just his tweet was, "The fuck does this mean?" <laughs> just like around <laughs> this image, I'm like, yeah, I don't know what the fuck that art means. Um. Another one is from Quinn Sutherland at Real Quinn. It's this image of Rand Paul recently on Fox and Friends where he's wearing like a corduroy fucking blazer and white turtleneck. And she tweets along with this photo, recently divorced professor Neil Hornby is having a fondue dinner at his home to celebrate getting <laughs> tenure. <laughs> and lastly, that Brian Moses. Never get tenure. Lastly, Brian Moses tweeted, John Benet Ramsey is one of the blackest names I've ever heard. <laughs> I saw yes, that. that was on. That was one of mine. I love that. <laughs> Rand, Rand Paul seems like he uh, is getting a case of the candy neck. Um, I don't know that look though. Like, wh why did he suddenly revert to that style when he was like, "Yeah, fuck a core. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do something different." He's a he's at the cutting edge of fashion. Yeah. Um, California guy now tweeted, I like how ads have gone from buy a Toyota to this is a difficult and uncertain time for us all. Buy a Toyota. And then a uh, temporary Nick Cage Stan account tweeted yesterday, 155 years ago today, John Wilkes Booth shot Abraham Lincoln, setting in motion a long chain of events that will one day give us National Treasure Book of Secrets. Uh, and then finally, GL uh, tweeted, everyone on this website is always like, eat the rich, but then Carol Baskin feeds her millionaire husband to a tiger, and it's a problem. Hypocrites. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song we write out on Miles. What's that going to be? Let's do a track from Aesop Rock. Uh, I was just listening to this track. It's called Drums on the Wheel. And it's just got like, I love the little guitar pick sample in it. It's just very, I don't know, it's got, it adds a lot of rhythm to it. Uh, love is flow. Uh, just, you know, just get through the hump day with some high energy. So Aesop Rock, Drums on the Wheel. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for this morning. We will be back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we will talk to you then. Bye. 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 Thank you. Do you read me, Cameron? And I play drums on the wheel with a feeling out of touch or outgunned in the field. Drums on the wheel. Bomb sights and blackouts and fog lights and gas clouds. Jockey through vacuums. None of our flaps down. It's shocking. Shot off as one small part of some squadron that ain't once chosen to abort shit that we've honed in on our problem. Non stop till he stops to see what kind of quadrant he got lost in. Do you read me that option? And y'all's options are exhausted. Have been dropped off in this mosh pit instead of locked.